people can get even wealthier. It's not going to happen. I'm not going well, to let it happen. Well, they're trying it. They are trying it. I'm not going to let it happen. And they're going to let your kids pay for it. Listen to me. You have a voice. Use it. Why aren't people in the streets right now? Well, hopefully they will be on Monday after they on go Monday. to the teach-in at Eastern Michigan. That's right. 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. EMU's Halley Library. Com- CampusProgressiveNetwork.blogspot.com. Thank you. Oh, to- oh what is can it? Can I add? We yes. have free child care. So if you have kids, What a concept. Yes. Now, this this doesn't include, like, camouflage games, right? Or <laughs> no military camouflage. war games we'll or anything. We'll be making uh, peace banners okay. or something. Right yeah. on. Okay, good. I'm coming with my kids. Thank you to Sakina Hughes from the Campus Progressive Network. Thanks for coming in. Thank you. Chuck Warpahoski was with us. He's the executive director of the Interface Council for Peace and Justice. My uh, co-host, Ali Transboy Bratton, who is an economics professor. That's why he's so much smarter than I am. Thanks for coming oh, yeah. today. It's me. good to be here. And, yep. uh, you know, they used to call supply-side economics voodoo economics. I'm not calling it that anymore. It's an insult to the practitioners, the art, the craft of voodoo. Yes. The Daily Show has has referred to it as faith-based economics. <laughs> That's the new name. Let's not insult the practitioners of voodoo anymore. Coming up next is Pandora's Lunchbox with Mike Perini. I'm Charmy Golson. This has been Renegade Solutions. Please remember we are all related. And yes, Jim Balmer, I was praying for George Bush today. And so was I, and we will continue to pray that he gets into rehab. Thank you to Alex Belhaj for engineering. See you next week. Mitakoye Oyasin. Box a box of chocolates Would I know To stay away What's it Hand off his box A box of chocolates Would I eat Them anyway Cause Every time I have Half a mind to leave you Babe that means I have Half a mind to stay The music of Elvis Costello. Fun and laughter on our summer holiday. I'm sorry, I mean Cliff Richard. That's Cliff Richard, Sir Cliff Richard to you and me, because Cliff Richard was knighted by the Queen of England because of his great contributions to music. Um, yes, well, Cliff Richard had about as many hits in England as Elvis, and so, I mean, you can tell why. Now let's see if it's true. We're all going on a summer holiday because, oh, actually, you know what? Summer's over. Actually, that's just the bad news that summer is actually over. Uh, Cliff, you're not looking so good. Cliff, your face is melting. I don't know about this. Okay, uh, the bad news is that summer is over. Sorry, summer just ended about five minutes before the show started at, uh, oh my God, that doesn't sound good. But just showing you some of the reasons why Cliff Richard is now Sir Cliff Richard. He can pull that off like nobody else, whatever that means. And uh, it is autumn, as a matter of fact, later than usual. Today is the first day of autumn, and it just started about 10 minutes ago. So 
By the way, this is Pandora's Lunchbox. Hi, I'm Mike. This is a show about food. And the following, sh- uh, the following show, which is food, English, talk, the following record has food references in it. the kinks and autumn almanac or autumn almanac as they say when they're not drunk and that's the first song on pandora's lunchbox for autumn this is pandora's lunchbox as i just mentioned it's a it's a food about show it's a food about show and today's show is about oktoberfest and beer yes the ann arbor oktoberfest is coming up this weekend on washington street and it will extend one block west of maine to ashley and half 
half of a half block. This is from the Main Street Area Association website. A one-half half block, that must be a quarter block, east of Main to the 4th and Washington parking garage. Don't give directions like that if you're drunk or try to listen if you're drunk. The festival will be open from 4 p.m. to midnight tomorrow and the next day. There is a cover charge, which can be used for the purchase of food and beverages. The Oktoberfest did not originate in Ann Arbor, however, oddly enough, but in fact... In, in Germany, and I have some information about that for you. A few changes seem to have been afoot this year in the German famous German Oktoberfest, which starts in September, by the way, which is another decision that you might make when you're drinking. But the current Oktoberfest, the situation is that they've been asked to turn down the music after 6 p.m. at the Oktoberfest and to play more traditional, mellow, folk umpa stuff. And because they were playing a lot of songs like Hey Baby, presumably by No Doubt, I believe, and Mambo Number no. 5 by Lou Bega, and people were singing along to it, and, you know, they were imbibing and such like that. So there was actually some kind of request to actually have the bands make, make sure that the bands are pretty much playing the Oktoberfest Oompa music that has been such a great influence on all of the blues musicians in the world. And so, so there have been changes, but also this is something from The Telegraph in the U.K., Earlier this summer, there were alarming reports that under a new European Union ruling, Bavaria's famously buxom barmaids were going to be forced to cover up in order to protect themselves from the threat of sunburn. Christian Ude, perhaps that's how you pronounce it, I'm going to be massacring the German language on a number of occasions today, the mayor of Munich was outraged. A waitress is no longer allowed to wander around a beer garden with a plunging neckline, he said. I would not want to enter a beer garden under these conditions. Wow, there's a man with standards. He needn't have worried, however. The the EU directive was not binding, and visitors to Munich's Oktoberfest will find customs and costumes very much as normal. Yes, indeed. So some things are, in fact, sacred. Thank goodness. Between the drinking and the singing, they will eat gen- the people there will eat generous portions of roast chicken, giant pretzels, heart-shaped gingerbread inscribed with messages such as Imogdi, Bavarian for I like you, and for those needing something more substantial to soak up all the alcohol, steaming platefuls of ox meat. Okay. And uh, at least six million people are expected to drop in on the Oktoberfest. Again, this is not the Ann Arbor Oktoberfest. We're not going to have six million people here on the three blocks. Uh, it's an annual ritual that dates back to 1810 and the party thrown by the Bavarian crown prince Ludwig to celebrate his marriage to Princess Therese von Schassen Hildburghausen. And I'm glad to have said that. Now, we're going to talk a little more about beer. Speaking of beer and the issue of whether things are appropriate or not, and the, whether this sound is appropriate or not, uh, this is all. This is, this is news also. This is from allheadlinenews.com, and with a name like that, well, the news is that a Japanese soft drink, bottled and made to look like beer, may soon be available throughout Europe, but watchdogs of underage drinking say they will fight any effort to ship it to the United States, reports the New York Times. Kids' beer is lager-colored and foams like beer, but tastes like cola. It comes in a brown bottle and is advertised with the slogan, Even kids cannot stand life unless they have a drink. And there you go. Introduced two years ago, it is sold by more than 150 restaurants and supermarkets in Japan, according to manufacturer Tomomasu. Beer is widely available in vending machines in Japan, where the legal drinking age is 20. An article in London's The Sunday Telegraph about plans to introduce kids' beer to Europe caused a fuss among alcohol industry critics and government officials. Tim Loughton, a member of Parliament, tells The Telegraph that the drink's expected arrival was an alarming development, 
Neither a British soft drink association nor an alcohol watchdog group could confirm that kids' beer was in Britain. Eamon Rappaport, a spokesman for the Marin Institute, an alcohol industry watchdog based in California, says kids' beer would unwittingly play into the alcohol industry's efforts to glamorize drinking and introduce kids to beer. I'm very torn as to how to talk about all this, but one thing's for sure, beer and hops and things. But coming, coming right now to a piece of information that I found very interesting, there is, in fact, a fellow in England who has created his own beer based on Buddy Holly. Will Hopton, I love it, Hopton has named a dozen real ales at the pub in, at his pub in southwest Wales that he and his family have run for three decades after his childhood pop star hero, Buddy Holly. He is one of the 500 microbreweries across Britain which have put real ale ales sales. Okay, you know, we had one half half block, now we have real ale ale sales, and I think reading about beer is starting to have an effect on me. At a, it's put ale sales at a 30-year high. His pub, which is called, okay, now I'm going to, now that I've massacred the German language, I'm going to massacre the Welsh language. His pub, the Rundfond in Istalifira, yes, was voted Regional Pub of the Year by the Real Ale Lobby Group Camera. Okay, there are, okay, he says, Landlord Will Hopton says, the music I play here is not older than 1975. All the music after that was not very good. So, that's the case. The Buddy Holly beers are, oh boy. That'll be the sleigh, which is a holiday-themed beer. Buddy Confusing, which I think is a pun on bloody confusing, but I don't know. And Buddy's Delight. Oh boy, itself, when you pour it, it sounds something like this. All of my love, all of my kissing, you don't know what you've been missing. Oh boy, oh boy, when they are with me, oh boy, oh boy, the whole world can see that you love a permit on me.
That's the sound of beer. That's Buddy Holly and Oh Boy. Uh, oddly enough, the song Oh Boy was named after the beer that was named after it a couple of decades later. It's it's very hard to explain. This is Pandora's Lunchbox. It's a quarter to seven. Coming up at seven o'clock, it's Face the Music with Our Wolf. I'm Mike, and I'm glad you're there and here. So we had a, a call actually not long ago asking how many hops it takes to create a six-pack. And unfortunately, uh, our, our research team was not able to come up with that. But if we can step here into the WCBN beer garden, we'll at least listen to the band here, and they'll cheer us up over the fact that we don't know that. One moment. WCBN Oktoberfest, and uh, we have a visitor here by the name of Mr. Arwolf. Yes, sir. Hi, Mike. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm feeling better by the minute, largely because I'm in your illustrious presence, and you're doing it again. Um, Thank you, sir. Yeah, you're you're on the air, and I'm glad. I just, uh, I was so happy that you're doing a whole show about beer that I wanted everybody to know that Lindsay has, that's the woman I'm married to, Lindsay has a, a hops bush in our backyard, and she figured out, I think, how people got the idea to use hops in beer. Oh, it's pretty simple, really. What's that? Um, well, when the hops, I forget what they're called, not spantules, but something like that, the buds, the hops buds, when they hang on the bush and they start to dry and they get rained on, they start to actually ferment on the bush, ah. and you can smell them. Um, wow. We kept walking by this part of the yard and saying, it smells like somebody left a case of beer over here, and we realized that it's the hops. It smells like Ann Arbor. Yeah, right, the student in neighborhood. Se- Ann Arbor yeah. in September. It's lovely. Yeah. yeah. It, sounded like, it smelled like Mr. Flood's party used to be <laughs> in the floorboards there. But this was, um, I, I think maybe she had something there, that this was how people figured out how to use hops in ale and in beer, was that... Uh, you can smell on the bush that something's going on there, and it's probably good, and maybe you want to do something with it. So uh-huh. I want everybody to think about that. Next time you uh, smell a uh, what smells like a giant beer spill, there might just be a, a hops bush. A lovely hops vine. bush, yes. Yes. Fermenting on the vine. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you, Arwolf. Arwolf is, is uh, stepping away with his... Uh, I don't know if you have a uh, non-alcoholic brew there, but he's he's getting ready for his show, Face the Music, right well, now. Well, I already had a caliber before I came down here. Oh, okay. Excellent. I, I had a near beer myself. I think it's a ginger near beer, actually. But uh, Right, so we're talking about beer and hops and such. Now, a little bit about hops. A short history of hops from coopsmaps.com slash beer and so on. Uh, From the earliest days of beer in 4th century B.C. Mesopotamia to medieval times, beer was seasoned with different additives. Wild rosemary, coriander, ginger, anise seed, juniper berries, even wood bark was added to flavor the beer. Hops were known to early civilizations. They grew wild among the willows in Roman times. The Romans noted it grew like a wolf among sheep and referred to it as lupus salictarius, which means the good wolf. From this colorful origin, hops took its botanical name of Humulus Lupulus. Humulus Lupulus. I'm going to massacre the ancient Latin language. That's three languages now. The Jews provide the first written account of the use of hops in beer during captivity in Babylon. They record a Cicera ex Lupulus Confectuum, otherwise known as a strong drink made from hops. They also believe that this drink alleviated leprosy. 
The earliest references to hop cultivation are during the 8th and 9th century A.D. Hold on, the band, uh, let me just get the applause going here, and here we go, the band will play again now. We're listening now to the Hot Club of Norway. The Hot Club of Norway, yes indeed, in the beer garden of WCBN. Medieval brewers, this is interesting, medieval brewers were initially reluctant to use hops in beer, claiming it caused melancholy and tormenting disease. It says here hops should be avoided during depression. Hop tea is a nerve tonic and is an anaphrodisiac for men. An anaphrodisiac, I don't know what that is. I mean, do you, Arul, anaphrodisiac? Well, an anaphrodisiac would mean that it, uh, if you're excited, it would make you less excited. That's pretty interesting. It would be the opposite of Viagra. Wow. Are you sure mm. that's not a typo? Uh, that looks pretty. An- it looks like an ANA definitely going on there. It's uh, anaphrodisiac. That's uh, wow. Did they say an anaphrodisiac? One so. word, ANA. Yeah, anaphrodisiac. W- so. What was the preposition beforehand? Oh, uh, prepos- well, the estrogen content. Oh, the in- the estrogen content increases lactation is the other phrase, and then it is an anaphrodisiac for men. Okay, so they did say an anaphrodisiac. So it was not it a. It is an anaphrodisiac. It was not a typo then. Yes. It that probably means that uh, it'll uh, limber you back down there. That's so. right. This is. There's been several typos in the show and massacres of different languages, and I hope you've enjoyed every one. Let's go straight to the very important information uh, from this website, the determination of hops acid in beer. This is from eu.shimadzu.de. Wait, 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 wait. wait. Yes, I'm yes. Sorry. Acid in beer? The determination of hops acid oh, in oh, beer. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was thinking about when I was 17 years Determinate old. Determinate <laughs> whether to put it in when or whether not. That's, yeah, that's those the, were the um, days. Yes. Go, go ahead. I'm well, this is even worse than, than that. Uh, this in the, Get ready for this. The determination of hops acid in beer from Shimadzu Deutschland, of course Deutschland. Now, this is very important and is very appropriate to read during some uh, music that pays tribute to Django Reinhardt. Let's just set him up a little bit here. Okay, here's some swinging text coming your way. Atomic absorption and UV-VIS spectrophotometers are widely used in European breweries for controlling the quality of drinking water in the process, as well as for determination of the hops acid. In addition to increasing the shelf life and stability of the foam, hops are specifically responsible for one thing, the incomparable bitter aromic taste. The higher the hops content in beer, the more bitter and distinctive the taste. This is important. The determination of hops content in beer carried out in the analytical laboratory assures that the beer is of constant quality. Maximum and minimum concentrations are usually not mandatory. What is more important is that the quality of a certain type of beer is assured by a constant hops concentration. Okay, this is the key of it here. Determination of hops content in beer is a typical application for a UV-VIS spectrophotometer. The Shimadzu UV-1700 Figure 2 with its built-in system validation function is well suited for quality control. The analytical wavelength is well uh, is uh, 275 nm. After dilution with iso-octane, the total hops concentration can be determined instantly. In addition, using calculation models of the UV probe software, an additional differentiation of a humulon-cohumulon... I can't do this anymore! This is Pandora's Lunchbox, and I'm terribly sorry. As I was saying, the uh, you know you don't you can listen to this show and you don't need beer. It's great. The Oktoberfest is coming up in Ann Arbor this weekend on Friday and Saturday. Once again, the Oktoberfest will be held on Washington Street this Friday and Saturday from 4 p.m. to midnight. There is a cover charge, but there's also food and 
some of it may in fact be German. Now here's some information for you. Uh, the band, yes, the Hot Club of Norway is now wrapping up this song. Here we go. Thank you very much. Now, this is also important news about beer. Vacationers in Tyrol, Austria, can now visit the world's first beer baths at Starkenberg Castle near Imst. Again, massacring the German language. Thank you very much. Of course, these pools are less about recreation and more about health. The seven pools have been filled with beer byproducts, the yeast that settles at the bottom of the vats during cold storage to tackle a wide range of skin ailments. The beer baths are part of a new 4,000-square-meter exhibit called The Myth of Beer. Visitors can learn more about the drink and the brewing process there. Beer has been brewed at Starkenberg Castle since 1810. 1810. Actually, okay, I'm going to find this piece of paper because we're suddenly... Yes, beer has been brewed since Starkenberg Castle since 1810. What is the significance of 1810? This is your quiz, and you have five seconds. Time's up. The Oktoberfest originated in 1810, in fact, to celebrate the part to celebrate the marriage of the Bavarian Crown Prince Ludwig to his wife, Princess Therese von Schassen-Hildburghausen. Yes, this is all true. It's Pandora's lunchbox, and uh, and uh, you know what? Hank Thompson. Yeah, Hank Thompson. Oh, Lordy me I feel so bad This morning But I won't be feeling bad too long I'm headed for Hangover Tavern Tender cheers you up saying, hey, Lordy me, if you feel bad this morning, then watch your blues just fade away at Hangover Tavern today. Turn the jukebox down Cause hey, Lordy me I feel so bad this morning But I'll drink my blues away At Hangover Tavern today Hangover Tavern Here I come 
Oh, yeah, that's Hank Thompson and Hangover Tavern, and why not? This has been Pandora's Lunchbox for at least a half an hour or less. I've been Mike for even longer than that, and we're going to wrap up now. Uh, first, just a few mentions. This has been a show about beer this week because there is the Ann Arbor Oktoberfest coming up on Friday and Saturday from 4 p.m. to midnight. You can look up more information on it at the website for the Main Street Area Association in Ann Arbor. A tradition that went back to nine, uh, to eight, all the way back to eight into 1910. Well, all the way back to aught five, 2005. Right, this is where it starts to take effect here. And just a few thoughts on beer. We know from ancient texts, according to co-ops maps, that the earliest beers are Sumerian from ancient Mesopotamia. Beer appears to have been an important part of Sumerian culture. The word beer appears in many contexts relating to religion, medicine, and myth. The Code of Hammurabi from the 18th century B.C. details stiff penalties for owners of ancient brew pubs who overcharge customers or fail to inform authorities of criminals in their bar. This is of very, very useful information for Ann Arbor, especially after 2 o'clock in the morning on a Saturday. And you've been listening to Pandora's Lunchbox. I've been Mike. I did say that. And here is Leibach to wrap things up. This is uh, Leibach's version of the Queen's song, One Nation. And it sounds a lot like they're saying, give me a light beer at some point. So I feel that it's important to play that now. And in just a moment, Arbuff will be here to help you to face the music. One more time. One more time. Let's bring another round here. Once again, Ann Arbor Oktoberfest this Friday and Saturday. We'll be back next week at 6.30 on Thursday. Pandora's Lunchbox. Oh, that was good. 